Welcome to the Financial Collective. If you're looking to get your financial house in order, this is the place you want to be. We cover every topic that touches your financial journey. We're here to empower you with straightforward financial information and education. It is our hope that you can take some of the financial gems we've shared today and apply them to jumpstart, improve, or solidify your financial journey. What's up, everybody? You are now tuned in to the Financial Collective with my friends, Keevan and Frank. What's up, friends? Brent Lee. Brent Lee. I'm so glad to have y'all on the show today. It's going to be a crazy one. <laughs> Let's get it. Y'all ready to get it? Fire. Yes. Yes. Well, for sure. Like we, like I say in my generation, for sure. <laughs> it's going uh, to be good. So today's episode is going to be about the family financial form. And I know, Kiva, you're, you specialize in these forms, and I'm going to add it to my practice. I know Frank may add it to his. But the family financial forms are a great way to introduce insights into the community and get ideas and also sharpen and help people get financial truths from the forms that you've been doing. So I thank you for just bringing this a part of our practice. And then I know Frank is going to add it to his, and today we're going to talk about yeah. it and go through some of the things you actually do. Before we get into it, though, what made you want to start doing these forms? How are they working? What are you seeing being done, the family financial forms? Right. Brentley, you're so right. And I actually, I really think uh, you as well as Frank have probably been doing them, and you just don't realize it because a lot of the stuff we're going to touch on today, I know you've mm. talked about it some form or fashion. <laughs> I just put it all together in one day form for a family. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's really about habits of self-made millionaires. And I talk mm. about that a lot. I know you guys talk about that a lot. This is yeah. the habit of families who are, you know, millionaires or just wealthy. This is their right. blueprint. Mm. They pull mm-hmm. together an annual forum. Talking about money, there's a few generations in the room. You know, there might be grandfather, grandmother. There might be a six-month-old in the room and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think when we, of course, start to have these dialogues around, well, how can we come together? Why are we here? You know, what's the state of the family? Who do I go yeah. to? Who has a business mind? You know, who still needs mm-hmm. a trust and a will? Is the insurance yep. all right with everybody? Do we need to do a little susu, a little fun to get some insurance for the family? <laughs> you know, it's so many questions that are thrown out there. Yeah. You know, I'm looking through your document, and the document is so, it's so well structured. Because you go through, you know, your first question to the people is, why are we here? That is so powerful because yeah. when you're sitting in front of, your clients and, and potential clients and even in a forum like this, to ask a person why are we here makes them go really internal and just kind of assess some things that why am I here? I'm here for a reason. I'm here to get things done. What do you think about that, Frank? I think it's very important because it helps to locate the family. And if your mind ain't right, it's, it's there to shore you up and firm you up to get right. Because this is why we're, we all came together. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about, we're going to locate this family and find out our financial position in the world. Yeah. 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 Keeva, you got something yeah. on that? 
Yeah, just just having that dialogue. Frank, you're so right. Let's just sit down and have this conversation. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be ugly. I mean, you know what I mean? The situation or whatever it is. But we're here to get it right. The buck stops here. We're about to get this right. We're about to get this straight. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's certain attitudes you got to have with it. It's almost like, you know, back in the day, you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, like, I'm a little sick and tired of our family not having nothing. And, you know, I'm a little sick and tired of, you know, it's, it's time for us to get to the next level. We're not leaving this family dry anymore. That is an important question I think that you put on this struct and on this outline because I think it's so critical for us to identify that. So location of the family is real good. And then you go into stuff like the state of the family, like how are we doing? What is our direction and what do I go to? And so Kiva kind of like outline that for us, you know, what is that conversation looking like when you're in these forms? Yeah. So I tell you, <laughs> no sure <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and sometimes I have to bring my gavel, you know, how that goes. Yeah. I know, but I know how my family is, you know, you got a bell, you got a gavel, you got a yeah. whistle. <laughs> right, right. 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 But the state of the family is really important because, when we're having our conversations in our silos with our family phone or whatever, you know, yeah. it's different than when it lays on you know, everyone in the room, the information, you know, how are we doing as a family? Who may be, you know, struggling a little bit in silence. Yeah. It's just so many things that can come up and it can be a little bit outside of finances too, but it tends to stick around finances. But yeah. what is our direction is always really like a big time consuming piece of it. Because really? pretty much have to agree in the room, and I have to kind of, and you guys know this, you guys do the yeah. same thing. Referee, right. okay, what is the direction <laughs> the family wants to go in? You know, what do we yeah. tackle first so we get this priority list and yeah. we take a vote? Oh, there's a lot of voting in this family forum, okay? Yeah, well, a yeah. lot of voting, yeah. Yeah. Frank, what do you think on that, man? Mm-hmm. I think it's very important because in order to talk about what is our direction, some type of leadership has to be established to kind of bring guidance and boundaries because in every family you have uh, a couple of different people. And one of the people you have is the person that feels like we should just invest in real estate. And then the other person is like, we want to invest in cannabis. And the other person is like, (laughs) we (laughs) want to get high dog. (laughs) We want a a car dealership. So you got to like, You got to yeah. know how you're doing, which gives you real legitimate goals and expectations, and then set some guidance, some boundaries about your direction. And, you know, then once it's kind of set, it seems like it would be there every time you came together on a yearly basis to say, well, last year we said this was the case, so let's continue in this direction. seems like it would right. be easier every year. Is that the case? Yeah. It is. No, absolutely. And you can interchange them. Like, hey, that didn't work out last year. We're going to inject something new this year. You know, it could be starting whatever, a construction company. Let me ask you all this. What do you think is the state of the family today? Absolutely. So Frank said earlier, the point you made, who really is leading, who's the leader? That's that bullet point right there. Who do I go to? Who is the elder maybe? And it doesn't necessarily have to be elder now that I think about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it could be the one family member in the room that had a business for 10, 20, 30 years. But it's someone with a sound, a pretty solid business mind. And, you know, we usually know who that person is in our family. You really do. What do you think, Brentley, when you say state of the family? 
I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been doing a lot of reading on the family. I've been thinking. I've been thinking through families going from generation to generation to generation, like some some sustainability. Of course, you hear all these stories of all the families that were able to sustain, you know, your Rothschilds and all of that. But then, just on a on another level, Dennis Jaffe, uh, J A F F E, uh, wrote a book called The One Hundred Year Family Enterprise. And he was talking about families who have these 100-year enterprises all in rural areas and how they kind of, you know, mobilize the family to keep the business going or mobilize the family to be able to at least keep the family mission going because sometimes that's a business. And so I just think about families and what are families really thinking about today and what are families you know, kind of talking about it, communicating. I, you know, I always kind of have that conversation in my head. I go back and I'm, I'm looking, I was reading stuff on through the 1930, the Great Depression, you know, the mortgage crisis, the real estate bubble. I was thinking about all of these things and how my underlying thing was how did families survive? And whether blacks or whites or feel that I'm thinking through now, just in my head, what is the state of the family today? You know, is this... Mm-hmm. Are, are we really set in motion to do something really good? You know, do you, do we really need to have a business? But could we just be a family that just had a strong passion about helping other people, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But sometimes I just, I just think that, you know, for me, it's right now, how my mind is kind of synthesizing things. It's just that I, I'm trying to get through how are we doing and mm-hmm. what are we about? So when when you think about something like this, what's our direction? I think it's critical. And then I also think about the family, which kind of going to the next point, which is really let me let me add something to that, Brent, yeah. before you take yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to lay out how I see families. Okay, mm-hmm. people I talk to weekly basis or whatever. It seems that there are so many families that are in crisis. Right. And it seems like they're in crisis because they're overextended. Hmm. And then they think yeah. that they have major problems, but when it all boils down to it, a lot of their, whether it's marital problems, uh, yeah. what college to go to, or yeah. vehicle yeah. situations, you know, older cars, newer cars, want to move to mm-hmm. another house or home, it all comes mm-hmm. back down to the fact that they can't do anything because they're overextended. Mm-hmm. And if we could get families just to say, this year alone, we are not going to overextend ourselves. We'll be a powerful we're gonna do. <laughs> we're going to do something powerful. It's going to take the stress yeah. off of marriage. It's going right. to open up potential right. opportunities for new homes. It'll do yeah. everything. You'll, you'll be able to have a different list to choose for colleges for your children. It's just so many things that happen that people would just get out of crisis. And it's hard because it seems like everybody in the family got to work now because the family just wants so much. Right. But if right. you can get yeah. people to just, just break it down and say, we have to come out of crisis, we have to kill this mindset of being overextended, and I think we could do something, then we can begin to correct the state of the yeah. family. We'll see less problems in homes because people aren't as overextended. This year alone, 2019, you know, my goal was to get back to the basics. And it was like, you know, like Frank is talking about, we're going to do this as a family this year. 
<laughs> right? And, right. And, and this is going to move us forward. And because we did it as a family and we were all on board, we ended up getting more this year and doing more this year. And I right. think if families are doing that, how much better we will be off. And we can definitely accomplish. Yeah. yeah just a simple check-in mm-hmm. right, can right, be so right. profound. Just yeah. to sit down and have that dialogue of yeah. just honesty and authenticity and yeah. hit every emotion on the spectrum. That's a good thing, True. you know, in these yeah. meetings. That's a good thing. Yeah. It doesn't always have to, like say, be about starting a business. It could be about, yeah. hey, someone's about to drop out of college because they don't have that. That's a conversation. That's on the agenda then. Absolutely. You know, how are we going to keep them in school? That's a really powerful segment that you pull into. And then you roll into, like, some essentials for our survival of the family. Because I'm always thinking about survival. So these were pretty good, though, because it's more on the financial side and then our work structure. You talk about being professional, the workplace, and the job. What do you mean by that? Yes. So that really is geared more toward the younger generation, maybe that is just starting mm. out in their career. Yeah. Because yeah. when I was in corporate America 100 years ago, there were rules, and you yeah. know, there was a certain <laughs> way to conduct yourself. And I mean, not a preachy kind of to the younger generation in the room, but yeah. just some tips of survival, really, in the workplace. I remember my Mm. mentor told me this, and I never forgot. He taught me a lot. He said, whenever you get up from your cubicle, I didn't have an office at this point. When you get up from Mm -hmm. your cubicle, you always have your jacket on, and you always have something in your hand. Have a file, (laughs) have a whatever. Don't Mm. ever walk through these corporate America halls empty-handed, looking like you just rolling through the halls, you know, mindlessly. Mm. He said, you can Mm -hmm. go in the bathroom, carry a file, and walk like you're going to a meeting, though, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Those little things. Um, And ensuring, too, in corporate America for our younger folks, whoever your boss's boss is, make sure they know your name. Not just your boss, but your boss's boss and his boss. And make clear what your goals are at that particular company. Make it clear. Make it clear to the people, right, who can get you there. There's a book I just finished up on that, Kiva. It's called Modern Mentoring. And it's kind of taken out like it's talking about the traditional ways of mentoring is over and how now these can just literally have a 10 and 15-minute or five-minute conversation with your boss's boss and get on his calendar and talk about one competency that they may have and grow. And next thing you know, you've excelled faster than the average person being one-on-one mentor. And I think that's that's an incredible uh, key that you just dropped, especially business key uh, that you just dropped in the workplace. What do you think, Frank? I think uh, it's absolutely essential, as Ms. Kiva said. And the way I look at the professional workplace job, I look at it as, People have to understand that they must have some type of income. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's true. True. Come on now. Right. Come on. If there, if there is no income, you can't stay. Yeah. You can't stay I where you are. I love that. If there's no income, you can't yeah. stay. You yeah. can't stay. Yeah. That's true. You That's can't drive. You can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> And you cannot attend. You cannot attend. <laughs> you, will not, you, you will not be at that school. I'm sorry. I'm writing. I'm writing that down. I'm serious. <laughs> so profound. That's gonna be. That's, that'd be my Facebook post tomorrow. <laughs> okay. If there is no income, you can't say. You can't you say, say drive or attend. <laughs> yeah. Drive or attend. Okay. 
Hey, hey, look, and then you start talking about, like, some financial stuff, right? right. So you go into right. insurance and savings yeah. and investments and retirement. How important is this conversation? Oh, you know, that takes up a big part of the day. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> it takes up a huge part of the day, but a big part of that, too, and I know you guys know this as well, the yeah. young people need to hear this. When you have that generation, the later generation in the room in the family forum, they're like, if I could have did, Kiva talking about today 20 years ago or what Brentley is talking about 20 years ago, this is where I'd be. <laughs> and that's when that generation gets to have that conversation with the 20-something in the room. Like, wow. all this we're wow. talking about right here, by the time yep. you're my age, this is mm -hmm. what you could have. This is where you could be. And you could stay, mm. and you can drive, yeah. and you can attend. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right? That's so true. Lots of lessons. I do education around that, of course, but it's more yeah. lessons between the generations. The dialogue is just mind-blowing. Because you, they start telling stories, don't they, Kiva? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you exactly. You yeah. know. You guys yeah, know. It's, it's amazing yeah. what comes out. You know, my Uncle Johnny had uh, he owned three gas stations and something happened and those gas stations could have been liars. And yeah. It's important to have these stories start coming out. It's important to have these conversations. What you got, Frank? What do you think about this, this yeah. uh, conversation? When I look at this, I see insurance. The thing that sticks out to me most is, like, how people, if they sit down in a family forum, they can talk about what a great tool it could be to solidify the family going forward. Yep. You know, 50, 60 years ago with insurance, people were just like, hey, if you die, we want to be able to bury you, mm. especially in the black community. Mm -hmm. right. I was a guy, I started out in the early 90s, I was a home debit agent, so I know what it is to go to people's house, and they say, hey, the money's right there, and I pick up their money and put it in a bag and take it back, and we pay their insurance, and it was basically just, you know, Negro policy so people could get buried. Yeah. Yep. Right. Things yep. have yep. so changed. Things have so changed. So what we got to do now is say, it's important for us to have insurance, but what? how are we going to use this tool of insurance? How are we going to get a mm -hmm. leg up for the next generation with it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a key component, how, you know, that insurance. You got to do it. You can't do anything big, in my opinion, without having it. Like, you can't guarantee Kevin Garnett's contract. You can't guarantee mm -hmm. Tony Romo's uh, salary at CBS. You can't do any – there's got to be some kind of insurance involved. And what our families have to learn to do is just say, we're going to use the tool, the financial tool of insurance, to make sure we transfer all of our risk for everything onto this yeah. company. So that if something mm -hmm. pops off, we're good. Yeah. Right. And we're better, like not this. just good. We just we yeah, way we better than we were. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like to call it because see the insurance will help mitigate the risk of disruption. And right. you know, mm -hmm. at the firm we at the say, you'll never liquidate. See you see, when you go back into this thing that Kiva was talking about, professionalism in a workplace, you start seeing that these workplaces have promises that they're giving to their clients. And I learned that in in corporate. Well, I took that promise that I had learned in corporate, and it was, well, Brent, what are you promising your clients, right? And it was, you'll never experience a disruption. You liquidate your personal assets or business assets due to a disruption of cash flow. How does that happen, though? And it's what Frank is saying. You have to help this person and this family take their risk 
to a different to the institution. Transfer that risk. Right. Transfer mm-hmm. it all. Let them pay for it. You see, we right. don't get into savings and investments and retirement to pay for our personal things that happen because no. of a disruption. Right. That's not why we do that. Let the That's insurance right. carriers do that stuff. And the second point I hit on insurance is it is so incredible to have it, not just from a standpoint of foundational stability, but also for the ensuring of your health and your, and your livelihood. you got family members right now that come to the financial forum that love to drink. <laughs> and slowly, they body, their body is deteriorating. Right. Love to smoke. True. We are we yeah. are not doing they love, they eat anything. And sooner or later what we see is and I see this a lot with the season generation coming out of work and men trying to get insurance and complain about how high it is. You right. should have done that when it was earlier because you could have got through the door and no matter what happened to you cancer, heart attack, strokes, etc., you would have been insured. Right. And so now right. it's much harder sometimes to get insured when we have all of these illnesses that have occurred in our life. And so from not only from a financial stability perspective, insurance is also something that you want because you need to start insuring the health part of you. These underwriters are about 99% more accurate than your doctor. Mm-hmm. They know. Mm-hmm. They can tell you, hey, you taking that medication, you five years out. <laughs> right, right, right. Because <laughs> they specialize in risk. Right. right. Yep. Period. Yep. That's they how do. they've been here the last 200 years and still been able to get through some of the Great Depression and pay dividends, et cetera. But the goal is this, man. It is to ensure, and I'll say this lastly on insurances, they have become more innovative now, Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you used to back in the day, you had to have a cancer policy, or then you had to have a stroke policy, an accidental right. policy, and a terminal illness policy. Now what they have done is they have brought all of them together under one umbrella. That's and now wrong. these policies say, okay, you know what? So families can now look at certain dynamics in the future, terminal right. illness, chronic illness, critical illness, critical injury, and these carriers have these four riders sitting on policies now. That's so right. that way, we have an answer. If something happens to us in any one four of these categories, you know, we're able to advance 90 to 100% of the death benefit, the face amount, to take wow. care of the problems that arise. And that's how innovative they have become because it was an industry that was losing the customer, losing the consumer. And they know if we don't innovate and we don't stay alive, we won't be relevant to the consumer. So I think they've done an incredible job. And maybe, Frank, I know you can talk about this and Keith, you can talk about this, but they've done an incredible job getting to the place where they are now consumer-centric, worried about the consumer, and then adding in the additional components to make sure the financial plan is sturdy enough so that the person or the consumer is not spending or liquidating their own assets or business assets. And I think that is so critical. So yes, financial stability, uh, health issues, but then also, you know, the new innovations that is happening that families have to now go back and say, well, man, look at what kind of policy do I have? They don't have those two riders or those four riders. 
man, if I get hurt, maybe I need to kind of transition over. And those are the things that we have to be thinking through when we're having these financial forms and talking about insurance. And I think this is incredible because I was listening to Jack Bogle on this last night dealing with Vanguard. And he was talking about him and Warren Buffett, but they were talking about saving through the stock market. Even this is going to be critical. Check this out. Mm. I looked at the 1930 Great Depression. This is great conversation to our listeners. 1930 mm -hmm. Great Depression, mortgage crisis. And then you had, I was looking through how families sustain, white families. I was looking through the racial wealth gap, right? Why whites were more successful in their wealth than blacks and Asians right. and Latinos. Okay. So I'm just looking at why. A lot of, I know we have a lot of conversation about it, but I'm the guy that said, well, how did that happen? What was it? Mm -hmm. What did they do? And, of course, blacks didn't have the jobs. They were uh, last to hire, first to fire. So which means your family was already behind. Then the Great Depression come, we definitely not gonna give you a job, et cetera, et cetera. But that did not intrigue me until I read this note from history.com. It was wealth, whites had increased their wealth because they had one asset that Latinos, Asians, and blacks did not have. And that, my friends, was stocks. When the Great Depression went down, mortgage crisis, the real estate bubble happened. When all those went down and the market crash came, when the market went back up, the wealth of whites increased double. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. so if we can make one investment in regards to the savings to where we get yeah. to a place where we say, okay, our savings cannot just be liquid in the bank, but we are stocks. working it in a way <laughs> mm -hmm. with some stuff. Yeah, stocks. I think we covered that in one of our previous podcasts. We, sh we, we, we surely did. Yeah. We surely did. Just surely letting did. that stock markets serve you in many different yep. areas. I'm so glad you said that, Brinley. It doesn't have to be just, oh, I'm saving for retirement or I'm saving for whatever. You know, it's it could be, you know, part of your whole, okay, my emergency savings as well because, yep. you know, when the market's doing well, you're in it. Guess what? <laughs> you're doing you're well. Do well. Yeah. You're doing yeah. well. Yeah, I just thought that I thought that that was uh, an intriguing point that they made. Some people out there, like you, like to talk about millionaires. They don't even have any cash; it's all there. No. And, oh yeah. And they argue and they argue you down why you have liquid cash. Why would you? That's right. That's uh, right. So I thought that was really, really. Uh, a, I'm gonna a look that up. I'm gonna check yeah, it look out. It, up. I, I, it was I on you. The articles. No, I see oh, this article that okay. I read. Yeah, History dot com. It was, it was I was just reading through and how families got. I got about four articles I've seen. It was really was great, really great, great source codes on it. Footnotes. Really, I will throw out one disclaimer for you though. Just, mm -hmm. to, just to balance the information you just gave, uh, you got to think about another reason that whites did a little bit better than everybody else is they had like a four hundred year head start and uh, I mean, they oh, were of they, course. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, they had access to things that black people couldn't get insurance. They wouldn't sell them insurance. Of course. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, oh, yeah. you feel me? They wouldn't even, these guys, would, blacks would go to war, come back, and couldn't even take advantage of the GI Bill. We were getting denied. We were being denied homes yeah. all the way up through the late 60s, man. Right. Sometimes into I, the 80s. 
right here in the 1980s. So I'm saying I can see how, you know, the ability to have money in the stock market because you're allowed to do it back in the day is really, really good. Yeah, I think the point I, mean, I was making. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the point I was just making though. The only your point is sharp. That I that, yeah that I never that I never read was the stock piece to it. Because mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about how did it happen. Everybody still got to make a a recovery, and Lord knows we had to make a recovery, and we're still trying to recover. Two hundred twenty eight years you know, to close the gap. You, you know? also had a time element, though, Brent. You got to think about the time yeah. element. So let's just say yeah. it's the Great Depression. I think it's yeah. like 1920s, maybe 30s. Right. I can't remember the exact 19th, period. 1930, yeah. So you got the Great Depression hitting. You've got people that had their money in the stock market that have lost everything. Some of them have mm-hmm. lost essentially everything. So it mm-hmm. took time for that money to build back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and for some people, they were jumping out of windows and buildings and everything. But it took time right. for all of that to turn around for people. Yeah. But sometimes right. when we look back in history, you know, you, you can write a book, and on that page in the book, you can make 100 years go by in two sentences. Yeah. What they had to think about is a lot of things happened over the course oh, yeah. of this nation being built and formed that we have to look back at and say, okay, now that we're talking about the family financial form, how do we apply this to these families? And we got to say, look, get your insurance, make it your foundation, but also your savings, your retirement, your, your investments, all that kind of stuff. Put you some of that in some of those things. Because I was talking to a young lady today. She's just like, I'm all excited about Forex, Forex, Forex. I got friends that are making money on Forex. She said, I usually show you all my account, but I can't show you because I took a big hit. And I told her, I was like, I would rather make 5% all the time for the next 40 years than to get 12 this year and lose 17 the next year, get three next right. year. I said, I, I said you got to make that a part of your mix, not your whole mix, baby girl, because if you make it your whole mix, you're going you're gonna to be so stressed and anxious all the time. I said, we're playing baseball. Let's get on first base, second base, third base. Let's get some home runs. Let's turn them into RBIs. Let's win the game of finance. Right. Yeah, no, Frank, you're just hitting it so, I mean, on point. You know, as long as Forex does well, that person yeah. does well. But as we all know in this whole money investment game, right. we never should totally depend on something doing well to win. We've got to have a right. strategy. And I'm assuming that's kind of what you're alluding to. We've got to have strategy. Yeah, yeah it's great. We need yeah. it to go up. But, you know, like you said, I'd rather get 5% over the next 40 years than, you know, these big sudden highs and lows where it's not sustainable. Right. I might not survive it. Yeah. So I get exactly what, what Brent was talking about was powerful because he was just saying, look, this is something that we as people of color have to look at being in the market. We have to make that a part of our mix so that we can be successful. It's one of the things that can help us. It's dollar cost averaging. It's like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. The prices are lower. Let's buy some of that Microsoft. Let's buy some of this or whatever. And then when it goes back up, we made some money. I get it. Right. Yeah, I looked up when we were talking about, you mentioned some people drink, some people smoke. I just looked up how much does it cost to smoke um, over a 10-year period. Yeah. If uh, the average pack of cigarettes is six twenty-eight pack a day, that's one eighty-eight per month. That's twenty-two hundred a year. That's almost twenty-three thousand dollars over ten years. People find money for what they want to find money for. 
You got that right. I went to the, I went to the, got my car washed this Saturday, and I was like, man, my man's like, you want to take, want me to take care of your headlights, man, that you can be an additional thirty dollars. I was like, let me see what you can do. <laughs> he was like, hey, Mr. Wright, you got a Honda? I was like, yeah. He's like, come check this out. He said, man, see what I done done? He said, then I'm going to put a ceiling on it. You know what I mean? He said, it's going to be good. It ain't going to never go back to where it was. I said, hey, man, I paid $30, man. You did your thing. I think when we see for so whoever it is, if you see value, you're going to spend the bread. If, if value right. is in them cigarettes, that nicotine, you're going to spend that $23,000 <laughs> <Right. laughs> on the TV. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I know it's addictive and it's a process, but, you know, <laughs> or the daily yeah. coffee. I mean, we can pick on yep. anything, you know. Absolutely. But, but essentially, yeah. those things, they, they pay a return. They pay a dividend, too. And they pay a one healthy dividend uh right. if we're not insured properly so it, you know that's that's the key to this financial thing is to make sure that we are got a strong foundation which i am 100 percent a proponent of before we do right. anything else outside and i believe we got to start just going back and looking at uh history and our family history and talking to our family members about hey man what what has been done et cetera, et cetera. When you get into kind of some next generation goals, and it's two points I want to pull out of this, Kiva, because this is crazy. Yes. Uh, you talk about estate planning, wills, and trust. Estate, pl- estate planning and wills and trust. When you yes. hit on these points, what are you bringing out? So it's essentially protecting your assets, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Your home. Yes. What do you want to happen when you're no longer here? That's the number one question. What mm. do you want to happen when you're no longer here? What do you want mm-hmm. that to look like financially? Mm-hmm. You know, contents in your home, mm-hmm. a business, is there a succession plan? Mm-hmm. Um, it starts that dialogue. And so trust piece is something I really hone in with. Trusts mm. are so vital. They work hand in hand, as you, you know, we all know, with um, yeah. a will. And I know you guys talk about that, but the insurance component goes right into that estate planning mm-hmm. piece. So it all drives yeah. in. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, I spend the amount of time I can feel the comfort level in the room with the family. You know what I mean? Not everybody likes to yeah. talk about death, right? Right. They so kind right. of follow the lead. And so, um, but just talking about future generations, and I know, oh, I know you gentlemen have heard this when you talk to your clients. When I die, I ain't leaving nothing. It, it makes oh my cringe, God. Doesn't it? Doesn't it make you cringe? Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm yep. spending everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's so true. I just want to go somewhere. Just oh my goodness, I can't. So anyway, yeah, yeah just talking about. I'm sorry, I digress. Setting up the future generation through these documents. You know, having your affairs in order, and setting up the future generation. So once your your child or your niece or your nephew or your grand, you know, children turn 18, they got a net worth already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. They got a net worth. Yeah, they can yeah. start inheriting. The thing is, you don't have to pass away for, you know, that next generation to start inheriting assets from you. Yeah. You can set yeah. them up, you know, when they reach age of majority or when they graduate right. college. You make it a stipulation. Hey, you get a four-year degree, you get X amount when you graduate. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's what we should be doing. We yeah. have to be studying all yeah. the time. Right. right. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> what's what's the response to that, Kiva? What's the response to that? 
Yeah, so it's, I mean, really, it's how can we make that happen? And so that's mm-hmm. when I started talking about setting up the family, you know, susus. You know, you guys have talked about mm-hmm. that, too, with your clients. Mm-hmm. You know, let's set up mm-hmm. a fund where if certain goals are met with that generation that they inherit, maybe a down payment on a home or money to start mm-hmm. a business. They mm-hmm. they get it. They do it right. Um yeah, that can be set up. Documents are put in place or whatever, but it's doable. And I have yeah. one particular family I remember now that they were collecting at their annual family reunion the amount to set up so they can start funding things like that. Now, when yeah, people so, hear this stuff, they're going to think expensive, 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 and I can't get it. It's too expensive. What do you what's say What's too that expensive? Here? What's setting up wheels and trust and attorneys oh, no, are charging not. me three thousand dollars and no yeah i mean it, it's not expensive the thing is the number one thing you do not have to have an attorney write your will or trust that's the biggest myth okay mm-hmm. you can get mm-hmm. someone certified to write wills and trust i'm i can do that i'm maybe one of you guys can do that as well you can do it through mm-hmm. LegalZoom. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. You could do it through so many different channels, so many different yeah. channels. So I want our listeners, I just have to repeat that. You do not have to have an attorney or a lawyer draw up your will, your trust, your estate plan. That is not an absolute requirement. So you're right. You know, yeah, these awesome. crazy numbers, two, three, yeah. four, five, six thousand dollars 6000 you just don't have to pay that. You just don't. Wow. But the cost of not doing it is so much greater. Absolutely, absolutely. Frank, what you got on that, man? I think it's absolutely necessary to do those kinds of things, especially if you have accrued any kind of wealth or property, any of those kind of things you want to pass on, even just simply taking care of heirlooms, stuff like that. It's yeah. very important to drop wheels, trust. That, that is part of the big picture of the state planning. You know, yeah. people have to understand either I do this or the state that I live in will do it. <laughs> and they got a plan for Say that for again, you. Frank. Say that again. <laughs> either they got I a plan do this for you. or the That's state right. that I live in will do it, and they don't like me. Maybe just finish it up here on this thing of family history and legacy. And you asked a brilliant question. It makes me think, and of course, I know it will make anyone think, but you asked, what part would you play? That's powerful. When you ask that question, Kiva, I know that the temperature in the room kind of drops a little bit, and everybody just, just kind of freezes a little bit, don't they, when you ask, this, when you ask that question. You know it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> and I preface it by saying there's no right or wrong answers. Let's just start right. the dialogue. And this won't yeah. be the last time that you talk about it because no one's going right. to get it. You know what I mean? There's no, yeah. like I said, there's no right answer, but just think about it. But with this mm-hmm. what comes up for you initially and start there and just tuck yeah. in. You got and a so, family, man. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. Frank, my plan was it. <laughs> my plan is to just leave all my kids in hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, you know there's a good book out there that says a uh, good man leaves inheritance for his children's children. That's right. Uh, are, you, are, That's right. Are you a good man, Frank? Are you a good man? I'm a good man. I'm a good man. <laughs> They're going to be like, my granddaddy was super. 
He <laughs> <laughs> was cool. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, you know, with what part you will play is you have to think about what am I handing down? Mm-hmm. Just naturally, what am I handing down? Spiritually, what am I handing down? And, you know, just because of the world we live in, just digitally or, or virtually, what am I handing down? What are we... Like I think about my dad. My dad mm-hmm. passed away penniless, broke. Mm. I think the city of Baltimore ended up burying him. And mm. I think about a year ago, he died in 2004. I think about a year ago, he got a headstone. Wow. I didn't grow up with him or around him, but that's how yeah. his situation was. But he did pass something down to me, and that was mm-hmm. the fact that he was an entrepreneur, and somehow, yeah. whether by nature or nurture, it passed to me. I see it in my children. So it's like you got to know what is it that you're trying to pass down? What, what would the legacy be? Are we like what type of family are we when we talk about history and legacy? You know, what, what are we doing? Are we like entrepreneurs? Are we yeah. uh, people that are involved in medicines or sports or e-commerce? Mm-hmm. we got to know. So I, I really look at this whole family Form is when a family can come together and say, what is it that we do? Mm-hmm. What are we passing down? What is the family yeah. business? The only thing we have to do then is just figure out how we continue to keep that going and to keep the resources we've accrued moving in the right direction, upward, and our properties or whatever it is that we've attained, that we keep them spreading and we keep acquiring more and more. And it, it'll be on the future generations to help maintain that. The baton has to be passed. And so yeah. that's how I look at it. Yeah. My yeah. Yeah, and that's something that should go in writing as well. And I leave them with that. that that's a ever, you're so right, Frank. That's an ever-evolving document. Uh, but it's something that should definitely be uh, in writing. Nothing super formal, but just, you know, written down somewhere. I've been talking about leaving my sons a manual for the last two years, I have not written it yet, but <laughs> I oh, will. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to write my sons a manual on family. I'm going to write them a manual on just taking the family as far as they can and, you know, yeah. some type of contribution to the family. I'm going to talk about my wife and I and our dreams and aspirations we have for the family, but, uh, you know, how to honor the family and live, you know, wear the name well and, um, I haven't written it yet. I've been thinking about writing it for the last two years. The only thing is I just just sitting down and writing it. <laughs> I wish I had a writer here every night with me. <laughs> but uh, We uh, all can uh, use a full-time assistant, right? I know, right? I know. <laughs> come on. <laughs> hey, come on to the house. I got some work for you. Right. But, yeah, I just, yeah, but that's me playing my part, I think. Uh, take what Pops has given me and uh, trying to multiply that and put it at seeds in my sons, and hopefully they multiply. And that's the beauty of family. I love that. Yes, that is, that is the that. beauty of family, you know. So uh, I recently just got a – I would like that – it was one of your questions, what do we want to pass down of value? I changed my wedding ring mm-hmm. to a crest ring. Oh, okay. And inside, inside of it, it's got the, the day that my wife and I got married, it's got our theme, marriage theme, which is unbreakable, and it's got our name mm. in it. 
And I want to pass that down to my kids. To me, it'll be valuable. I see a lot of people today wearing their grandfather's rings and things of that nature. That stuff just stays in it's got value. You know, it, this will be family value. Nothing that could be, you know, that'll probably go to the end, go in the manual for the kids, you know? So, oh, wow. We'll see. See, I like one of my sons to wear this one day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. So, this has been an incredible episode. Any last things you guys want to say before we wrap it up? What a good episode. Real thoughtful. And, I feel uh, like we were sitting at the dining room table just chatting. I know. Oh, yeah. Chatting, oh, yeah. you know, drinking some Cabernet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying, bring me a mimosa. <laughs> a glass of champagne. Yeah. 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 I, what I'd like to leave the listeners with, um, the family financial forum, is don't think you have to accomplish it all in the one forum, the one day, yeah. the one session. It's yeah. a continuous work. And yeah. always be open, dialogue, be authentic, uh, yeah. be, um, I'm going to say unbreakable, what you just said, Brentley, yeah. with uh, what you inscribed with your wedding ring. You know, have yeah. this be unbreakable. What you got, Frank? Yeah, I would say that uh, everybody needs to recognize how important their family is and just to love their family as much as they can and do the best they can as a family to have these kind of things together. And I think right there would be enough for everybody. But if we, they yeah. would just say, hey, this is my family, let's sit down and talk and work these kind of things out. And also just to know, hey, you can reach out to us. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll mm-hmm. be glad to come and moderate that, help you in any way we can. We'd love to do yep. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say just keep your family first. You know, take it, make sure you take care of your family first. Uh, I know we, we support a lot of people out here in the world, a lot of organizations, a lot of, a lot of people go before our family sometimes. And, you know, it's almost, you got to get your coattail pulled. You'd be like, hey, make sure you put away, make sure you take care of your family, make sure you do this. And we have it in our minds, but sometimes the action doesn't come out. And so my, I would say just take care of your family first, and then uh, everything else can come after that. Awesome. It's on us. So, I have to just mention this because I thought it was so powerful. If I could, Brentley, uh, yeah. I saw on Facebook where you had the hashtag, don't oppress your own family. That was so yeah. profound <laughs> for me. I hope our oh, listeners wow. find it profound. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get that a shirt. That's going to be a shirt. (laughs) I think that's so powerful. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a shirt. Yeah, man. You should have told my mama that back in the 60s. She sure oppressed me. (laughs) (laughs) You hear that, Grandma? Grandma, do you hear that? Don't oppress your children. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, yes, guys. Thank you to the listeners for listening to another episode of the Financial Collective where we talked about the finance, the family financial form. Take these uh, ideas to your family. Have your own financial form with the family. If you need us to help you with this, please make sure you reach out to us at thefinancialcollective at gmail.com. Make sure you hit up Frank. Make sure you hit up Kiva. And, of course, your host, Brentley Wright. And that's Brentley, like Bentley, but with an R. What? <laughs> <laughs>
I wasn't ready for that one, Brentley, but I love it. <laughs> See, Frank, we don't have to come up with our own, you know. How are we going to spin our own, you know? spin on it. That's right, as in stank with the F and R. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Kiva, it's evil with a K in front. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Until next time, fam, we love you. We out. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Financial Collective. It has been our highest honor spending time with you. Make sure you subscribe today and share us with those in need of financial information. Got questions? Hit us up at thefinancialcollective at gmail.com. Until next time, have a great day. <laughs>